Welcome to the Cryptocurrency Teens podcast, a podcast aimed to educate teens on cryptocurrency and financial literacy. Each episode features thought leaders in the crypto and blockchain industry or inspiring entrepreneurs from the business world who share their career journeys and words of wisdom for teenagers. I'm Abigail Lee, the host of this podcast series, the founder of CryptocurrencyTeens.com and a junior in high school from New York City. For this episode, I'm excited to interview Chris, Senior Client Partner at Globant, an adjunct lecturer at the Said Business School, University of Oxford. Now, it's my privilege to introduce our guest today. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Abigail. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Yes, uh, International Women's Day, even. Good to be with you. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, I see that you um, are the senior, senior client partner at Globant and adjunct lecturer at the Said Business School of the University of Oxford. Can you tell us more about your companies and also your roles? Yes. So, uh, Globant is a, I like to call it a 23,000 person startup. Um, it's a company that's been around for almost 20 years, started in Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, and really became. Um, one of the two unicorns, you know, multi-billion dollar startups in the whole country of Argentina. Fantastic culture, um, excellent work, what we do with um, all, all the, uh, the, big, the big companies around the world. Um, and for me, it's the first time I'm working for a non-U.S. headquartered and based company. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the Latin culture and the, I've always done global roles and have worked internationally for my entire career, but this is, this is different, a lot of fun. Right. So what does the company do? And also, yeah, we, so we, we build software is the majority of what we do. Um, So we build software, you know, if you um, happen to visit the Disney parks and enjoy the RFID tags that kind of get you to the right rides and get your own time, we help them build that. If you um, bank at some of the major banks, you're using our software. If you fly Southwest Airlines, that application, we built that for them. So there's a bunch of big names. Um, we also do a lot of work in kind of modern technology for cloud migration. Um, we do blockchain work. We do um, IoT, kind of the whole alphabet soup of current technologies. We put them together um, and build valuable um, solutions for our clients. Yeah. And so what is your role? Like, what is your role there? Yeah, my role is as a client partner, I essentially um, work with our clients and potential clients to help identify, you know, where they have pain or where they have opportunities they haven't been able to take advantage of. Where do they want to innovate that they haven't been able to focus on? Where do they need talent that they don't have locally or or part of their team? Um, And work with them to kind of organize and build projects together. We bring in our technology teams or our strategy people or our culture hackers that we call them um, to essentially help companies um, improve, beat their competitors and win in the market. Could you talk a little bit more? You mentioned blockchain. What does your company do with blockchain? Yeah, so we it's it's um, a, a bit of a new area of emphasis in the last couple, three years, of course. Um, and uh, We've got some acquisitions recently in Argentina and other places where we've gotten some talent that's been building um, blockchains around uh, financial systems or um, identity systems or healthcare, um, where a kind of shared ledger of entities that don't want to be on the same computer system can communicate securely um, and participate in commerce or health um, or some other um, business activity using um, the innovative um, blockchain technologies. Yeah. 
And also um, in terms of your role as a lecturer, like what inspired you to kind of like go into teaching? Yeah, I, I've, I've been teaching off and on for my entire kind of non-teaching career. Um, I started actually my, I think in my second or third year of, of full-time employment outside of college, doing some um, university teaching for adults who were completing a degree. They started to go to college and then for whatever life reason had to stop for 10, 15, 20 years and wanted to come back and complete their degree. So I started that you know, decades ago. Um, most recently, however, I decided to go back to school um, after spending more years than you have been in this earth out of school um, and uh, got to, to enjoy my time at Oxford Said um, in the UK. And it just happened that I made a good choice or stumbled into the truth and chose a great thesis advisor, helped me pass the course, which was great, but then also is a, is a very uh, progressive lecturer in leadership and uh, technology adoption and change around the world. And he um, got to know me a bit through our thesis work and looked at my resume and said he would like, you know, ask me to help him teach some MBA courses, executive MBA courses, uh, executive courses at Said. Yeah. And what was your career journey like, firstly, to get into like Globan? And also, um, how did you really get into like the crypto or the blockchain industry? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I kind of took a fairly, um, I would say, um, standard career path. I went to undergraduate for engineering, but I realized, frankly, my senior year, I didn't want to be an engineer, but I got the degree and then went right into business school, uh, got my MBA. Uh, and there, really took a liking to technology, uh, computer science, software, um, and consulting. So I moved right from MBA school to do kind of classic IT consulting, where we were working with our clients around the world, building you know, big software programs to automate things that you know weren't, were very manual, that were very um, um, laborious, slow, um, and, and, and spent the first, you know, uh, two or three phases of my career consulting, building software and technology, uh, and then also kind of turning in, inward um, and building software technology and adopting technology to um, five of the big four uh, professional services firms, um, just basically taking, you know, more and more progressively big, hairy, ugly, risky um, technology positions. And I had a, a great boss and a great situation at Ernst & Young back in um, the 2017-2018, where I was um, doing uh, CTO, deputy CTO work for their global assurance practice. And I was writing my thesis for Oxford, and uh, I chose a subject, which at the time in 2017 was fairly novel, was what would the adoption of blockchains and cryptocurrency worldwide have impact on the accounting profession? That was my thesis. Um, so I did research. And I stumbled across a colleague at EY he said, hey, you should look at this company. They're in this blockchain accounting space. I said, oh, I'll look. And I, I looked at it. It was very interesting. Tracked down the CEO, tracked down one of the board members who was also a, a former Ernst & Young um, executive, um, included their input into my thesis and my research. And then three months after I was done with that, um, they called me and said, Chris, will you come be our CEO? And I had never thought of leaving where I was, I was in a great place, um, and thought about it for a couple of months and said, yeah, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. I want to know a lot more about uh, blockchains and crypto. And so I said, yes, and you know, frankly, jumped out of a perfectly good airplane with no parachute and 
um, enjoyed um, my time as a startup interim CEO. Got to know um, the industry in ways I never would have done, you know, just through a book or through my my connections. For example, I went to the um, the Web three conference in Berlin, Germany, and got to speak there and and get to spend three or four days with the real kind of cutting edge crypto people, Gav Wood and all the they were all there. Um, and so early days in my my startup time, um, I caught the bug, which is this technology is amazing, and it's moving very quickly. And I've been doing technology my entire career, but uh, this was for a change addict like me. This was heaven. I thought I, I need to to stay involved, even if it's not my you know full time job. So since the startup, um, I got to know people in the industry, and I'm I'm now doing the the full time work um, with Globunt, and kind of in evenings and weekends, I'm advising um, a couple of cryptocurrency startups, uh, working with a reg tech startup who also has this notion eventually of uh, some blockchain components. Um, and so I'm keeping my fingers and head and mind and heart in the space, even though it's not you know my full-time job. Cryptocurrency is is here to stay, um, and I'm proud to be here and glad to be a part of it. What aspects of crypto or blockchain really interested you? Yeah, for me, um, and I, I had the pleasure when I was with the startup of getting to know um, a fellow New Yorker, um, Stuart Haber, who's here. And Stuart is one of the people, he and Scott Stornetta are cited three times in the Satoshi Nakamoto uh, white paper on Bitcoin. And Stuart is still here doing amazing things in kind of blockchain space. Um, and I learned from him and then the, the, the wider network, you know, the, the genesis of the technology, uh, the components of Bitcoin, uh, frankly, are not that profound but you put them together in this novel way and it's amazingly powerful. Uh, and for me, this ended spending, you know, my, the vast majority of my career building technology, writing software technology, integrating technology around the world, these problems of, um, uh, you know, the, the power of um, a mediator or um, a body that has some sort of control over the system. And we're all human. We're just not perfect. We're not always right. We're not always good. That, that has its problems. And I saw this, um, you know, the power of a blockchain with cryptocurrencies where the math itself does more of that sort of governance and, and regulation and security. Um, and I knew, you know, upon really reading about it and understanding it, um, that it's powerful. We, it's very nascent. It's very young, um, but it's amazingly powerful. And so, uh, yeah, once I, once I got my head around it a little bit, I realized I, I was not letting go, whether it was my full-time job or my part-time job or, you know, what I did on nights and weekends, it's, it's here to stay. And uh, I enjoy helping even my clients now um, try to envision ways to make sure that they take advantage of these technologies. Since our target audience are teens around the world who are interested in crypto or blockchain, what advice would you give them about entering this industry in the future as a career? Yeah, a uh, couple of things. I would say number one, um, get to know the science. Uh, it's, if you don't, um, you know, I think you're frankly at risk of the next, you know, crazy, I don't know, it's how to hit on Instagram, but you're going to lose all your money, right? So, I mean, you, you've got to do your, you know, you've got to understand that's the complexity. You've got to understand um, the different ways of staking and the different ways of, um, you know, proof of, of, of uh, participation. Um, it's 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 not intuitive, even to somebody who's been around. Like literally, I've been you know working in technology for decades, um, and I'm not the sharpest tack in the shed, but I'm also not 
the dimmest person in the room. So it, it, it but it's, it takes some work, you know, to understand. Um, I would say, number one, do the work to understand, right? And don't just kind of go on emotion or ride the next wave because some of those waves crash and they hurt. Um, I'd say number two, um, think about uh, blockchains and crypto for me are really about either disparate parties being able to work together, even though they don't, you know, have some governing body or some agreement, but they can work together, even if they don't necessarily have to, you know, kind of really be connected to each other. And so there are all sorts of great use cases in healthcare and identity. And, you know, the unbanked world really has so much to gain from these technologies. And for me, that's been a big part of my interest is I think there's a lot of opportunity here to right some wrongs or or really repair some ills that uh, you know many people not you and I but people you know outside of um, the U.S. and even people in the U.S. are are just not getting access or not getting privilege um, and this kind of levels the playing field and it allows a more secure way for more people in humanity to participate in the good parts of humanity. So um, I would I would find a passion an area of, of you know know this, know the technology get to know and be comfortable that you're not being snowed and then number two figure out your passion, if it's healthcare, if it's community, if it's governance, if it's entertainment, if it's fashion, if it's whatever, there's probably some use cases and there's probably some people looking at how to apply this world of crypto and blockchain to your other passion or to your kind of um, industry passion. And I would just look for ways to learn about it, connect to it. And like you do so well, Abigail, you know, find people who will talk to you about it and, and, and help you understand. Yeah. And so for high school juniors and seniors who are deciding which colleges yeah. to apply to, do yeah. you recommend any particular colleges to perhaps study crypto or blockchain at? And if not, why? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any inside information beyond I've, I've you know seen some of your your previous um, podcasts, which are excellent. Um, you know, and, and even I flip the work they do with their education and then the investment with using AI. I. I uh, I don't have any specific recommendations, but I would say just like any college junior, senior, you know, you've got to think about what sort of discipline do I want to learn? You know, is it marketing and business? Is it math and science and engineering? Is it computer science? All of those things are applicable in the crypto and blockchain space. But if you're going to code, you know, and and, and do block, blockchain coding, then certainly you've got to find a school that really does have those courses and and digs into it. But if you're if you're not going to be the developer kind of architect, you know, builder, then yeah, you you, you want to find places that will help you apply what crypto and blockchains can do to the discipline that you really want to um, explore. Right. And do you feel like your background in engineer engineering helped you in any way? Tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a decent, not a great student. Um, and frankly, not a good math student. Um, just part of that part of my brain didn't show up. And so uh, the math bit of crypto is huge. It's what Stuart Haber and others just do, you know, naturally. And I don't, um, but, but the rigor of engineering and the science behind it, yes, absolutely helps me understand. So if you're going to be uh, more than kind of a cursory, understanding of of the technology you've got to get some math and science you've got to be comfortable with that because that's what it is it's it's literally just computation and encryption and things that that really change the way we interact with each other yeah and so how did you end up learning how crypto or blockchain worked like the technical information and all of that yeah i i learned um only a few years ago when i was actually going back to school at oxford 
that the for me the best way to learn is to talk to people to listen right to interact to have, have conversation you can give me a book that's amazing and and tells me all these great things and i might get through it and i might remember you know this much of it so i i'm not a book learner per se um so i I, I changed my tact um, a few years ago, and I one of the reasons I'm very happy to speak with you, Abby, and, and learn about your podcast. I I learn by listening and hearing people ask questions and answer questions. So um, you need to know how you learn, right? And then seek those opportunities. Yes, you've got to go to school and get your university degree, and you're going to have to do some reading. You have to do some, you know, tests. Everybody's got to do some of that. Um, fortunately, there's more colleges that are doing more kind of co-op and experience learning. But figure out how you learn and then find ways to learn what you want to learn through that pathway. And so for me, since it's auditory and people and relationship, I just, um, I connect with people. I always say, if I find somebody who is competent and clever in what they do, they have high integrity and they're fun, I never let go. I meet them and then we keep talking because those are the kind of people I love to have and learn from. Right. And so when it came to like crypto and blockchain, did you find any particular areas that you thought were very helpful in understanding you were like perhaps a new learner? Yeah. You know, there, there are, there are some, uh, some of your previous guests, again, I've had a chance to, to listen to, I mean, there's the coin desks and the, you know, the Krakens and the kind of the, the, the big crypto sites where they have some information about what it is and how it works. I'm actually advising a startup um, called Omnia Markets Inc. And um, we've got some um, really clever um, charting and analysis and um, uh, yeah, analysis tools for crypto and thousands of cryptocurrencies and all the different indicators and markers. And we've got some learning embedded right into that so that you can actually not only kind of see the tool charts and do your research, but do some basic tutorials so you know what you're looking at. So that, there are some really good sites. Omnia Markets Inc. is one, and then the you know the the CoinDesk of the world. Um, I think the other thing I would say, and again, this is probably me as a kind of relationship and auditory learner, um, meetups pre-COVID were a great way to learn. And when I was working here in New York with a startup, you know, there's the BitDevs meetup, which is the the Bitcoin centric um, meetup, and they meet once a month and they talk about stuff that. At first, I only understood about a tenth of it, but as I went further and then did more research on the side, right, you start to understand. So I, for me, that was very important because, again, I, I learned by hearing people who really know stuff explain it and let me ask questions. So um, meeting people and meetups are, are, I think, are also a very um, useful way to keep on the edge of what's happening and what people involved in it are doing. Just out of curiosity, what do you see in the future of crypto? Because you've talked a lot about its applications, yep. um, like especially with blockchain. So that'd be interesting to get your take on it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I said I think I said earlier. I think crypto is here to stay for sure. It's not a, you know, a flash in the pan or something that's just going to come and go. Um, in some form or other, whether it's Bitcoin, as the Maximus would say, or you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, or if it's you know, the, any of the other thousands of coins that are out there. Um, I, I think it's here. Now, will it replace money? Will it, I don't think in my lifetime, you know, fiat's going away and we're all just going to be on, on crypto. But yeah, I think you roll the dice far enough down the road. Uh, there's nothing fundamentally better about fiat currency, about printed money, about printed coins than cryptocurrency. So it's just a matter of time if humanity has any any sense and capability, I think long-term, that we'll leave the, 
you know, the stuff that machines can do well, let the machines do it. So they can deal with the cryptography and the security and the confidence you have and let humans do what we do well, which is, you know, hopefully love each other and, and get people together and, and you know, make great decisions for humanity. So I, I think crypto is here to stay. It's just a question of how fast and which ones, you know, are around 10, 20, 50, 100 years from now. And blockchains, absolutely. Um, I know early days when I was involved, you know, five, eight years ago, the big question was private blockchains versus public blockchains. And, and to me, that was always not, there's no such thing, strictly speaking, as a private blockchain, because you still have the intermediary, you still, you know, all the things that the blockchains fundamentally try to fix, they're still there with a private blockchain. So uh, it was a big battle and discussion back, you know, five, eight years ago, um, when I was getting involved heavily. Um, I think over time, even in my cursory experience, even the private blockchains are, are finding ways to be more and more public, which I think is a good indicator that um, well, the computers will get fast enough, the, the, the energy will get efficient enough, the you know, cryptography or the ways of doing proof will get better enough um, so that blockchains will be more and more, those that survive will be public and they will be efficient um, and they will be everywhere. Yeah, no, I think blockchains are just really interesting and just like, I've definitely been super interested in like learning about them and all of their applications and like uses because I think they're, they're just so many. I think it's, it's a great area. Um, I also did have another question about um, like your background in like a startup sure. and like what that experience was like. It, it was, it was fantastic. I, I, I had a suspicion of a couple of things that I experienced and then there's some things that were surprising, right? I, I when I, um, made the decision to um, leave a perfectly great company, Ernst Young, and do this startup. Um, I knew one of the things I wanted from the, the change was more time spent on the technology and the kind of building the work. You know, for, for me, I've been in, in in the kind of big four, five of the big four for decades, and because they didn't throw me out, I kept getting kind of bigger teams or bigger jobs, bigger responsibility. But as that happens. Um, Frankly, you spend less time doing the stuff and more time doing, you know, the budgeting and the administration and the communications and the politics and the whatever, whatever, right? Spending less time doing the stuff. Um, and I was eager to kind of, before I lost, you know, kind of any ability to to, to do that. So I, I wanted to dig into the stuff a little more. And then I thought the startup, and it absolutely did. I mean, I, with the startup, I was scrum master each morning doing, doing, doing leading the stand-up for the agile team. And then I was CEO for a little bit. And then I'd help make the coffee and wash the dishes. And then, you know, and, and then meet with vendors and I'd be up speaking at some engagement. And I loved the variety of activity that I got to do, um, which was what I thought I'd get. And I got that. Um, and uh, I would say the... The, the things I learned in my more traditional uh, employment around communications and legal and talent and HR and all, those things all are useful in a startup. Um, it's just, you don't have a staff to go do it, right? We didn't have our legal department or our talent department or you know, marketing department, it was us. And so uh, you still need to do all those things, but you got to figure out you know, a more kind of creative way um, to, to get it done. And for me, I, I just, I love change. I, I'm a bit of a change addict. And I, that, the, the startup environment was, was that on steroids, right? Every day is different. You think you're going to go here, but the market doesn't accept it. You go there. Um, and I enjoy that kind of responsiveness to the feedback and to the market um, that is much clearer and much more life or death in a startup or a small company than it was you know, in a large enterprise, uh, like most of my employment. 
Yeah, well, looking back on your career journey, do you have any particularly helpful piece of advice you would give to the younger generation? Um, I, 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 I'll, as I think about that question, I'm thinking, okay, what would I have told myself, you know, years ago and, and hoped I listen? Um, because uh, I'm not sure I would have, right? I appreciate you asking. And <laughs> hopefully anything that's worth anything what I've said is people listen. But um, I think you, for me, um, and even in a much more technology immersed and technology aware um, and technology dependent universe we live in now or culture we live in now, um, in the end, working for people that you respect and want to be with is really important. I mean, yes, you can make great money work for terrible people, or you can, you know, you, and if that's all you're motivated by, then go for it, right? Um, but, but for the people I enjoy being with and working with and, and seeing them grow and do great work and, and change the world for the better, um, it, it's important that I respect the people I work with, that, you know, I, I think they have enough integrity that they're, they're not, you know, kind of snowing me or using me or whatever. So I think being a person who can, can discern character and then kind of figure out, well, who do I want to be around? Um, and yes, you have to make money, you have to make profit to keep going and all that's important. But in the end, and certainly as time goes on and, and human interaction becomes more and more two-dimensional two here when we're on a screen, you know, the times I'm in the room with a friend talking about something or in the room with my boss talking about something, um, that's where a lot of my energy and my, you know, kind of reason to keep going happens. So I would, I would just be, I would be picky um, in the people you work with and um, make that a, a criteria because um, it has huge payoff, right? If you surround yourself with good people, with people who um, do good work and want you to do good work, um, you can grow faster, you can learn more um, and you can be more productive. Yeah. And did you have any general advice for teens um, mm -hmm. regarding the crypto blockchain industries, like any safety advice? Yeah. Really, any words of wisdom that you wanted to share? Yeah, I, and I, you know, this is one of those um, uh, do as I say, not as I do, right? <laughs> I've got some some losses I wish I would have, uh, you know, not had, um, and and not even just, in fact, very little little in crypto. It's much more in the kind of stock market and booms and busts and all that. But um, you know, I think a big a big part. The, the number one thing I would say is the the discipline of kind of dollar cost averaging and not spitting out a big, oh, I'm going to bowl in now. And maybe it's a hundred dollars. That's all you got. And then you do nothing for six months or a year. And you're now, you know, held hostage to that one decision, that one moment. And it goes up or down, flip the coin. Right. Um, whereas people who were smart enough to invest whatever, $10 or $20 or 25 cents in Bitcoin every month for years, they win right? Because you're buying less when it's high, you're buying more when it's low. And that dollar cost averaging thing just works. So I, I would certainly look for investments that are going to have persistence. You want something to be around. Now, if you want to be a day trader and do, you know, do this, you can do that. I, I, I don't do that. I would do it if I had some, you know, algorithm and they're, they're starting to come out now, which would predict, you know, kind of high frequency trading in a way that's a bit more reliable, but I'm talking mostly for the kind of hold, hold it and watch it grow. Use dollar cost averaging. It's simple math and it works. Um, and the discipline of just kind of saving every month is never a bad thing, right? It, whether it's crypto or anything else, just put it in your piggy bank. But just that discipline of saving is 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 good discipline. And uh, debt is so easy. And you know, 
it's so so easy to buy the next whatever you know it's all over instagram and everything else we all look at uh, the counterintuitive discipline is that saving is that kind of slow and steady wins the race um and but both are fun i think yeah well so since we're almost out of time on this episode yeah. did you have any like final thoughts that like or advice that you wanted to share with our listeners uh, um yeah, I guess I, I, I would, I would say if you're not naturally, um, I, w- I would encourage you to develop curiosity, right? Find ways that you want to know more. Um, and I frankly didn't grow up a very curious person. I, you know, I went to school and did okay and whatever. Um, but it was, it was only as I realized kind of how big and crazy and diverse and of you know, travel all over the world and had the pleasure of working in whatever, 40 countries. And, you know, the, the cultures are so different. The, the customs are so different, you know, um, be curious because it really does help you see that your current world, your even narrow world um, a little more accurately. Um, and that's certainly true in crypto and, and, and blockchains where it's changing so fast. I used to tell my, my bosses and clients, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there's millions of dollars we're putting into technology. I'm going to have to throw a third of it out in about three years because it's just going to be obsolete. And they would get all upset. Like, why would I even spend the money? I'm just spending millions of dollars. You're going to throw. I said, yeah, because you have to stay up, right? If we don't do it, we're left in the dust. But now in blockchain, you know, that three years, the conversation I have now is if we build something in blockchain and crypto, we're going to throw half of it out in a year because it's just happening so much faster, right? So your curiosity is a way to kind of keep up on the change um, because if you're not curious, you're left behind. Yep, yeah, and it's, it's also really cool that you've worked in so many different countries. I think that's like, that's well worth pursuing, <laughs> well worth pursuing, yes. <laughs> and, and the video connection to my you know, my colleagues and friends all around the world, it's, it's nice to kind of maintain and keep in touch, but there's nothing like being there, um, yeah pursue it at every turn. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Abby. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Cryptocurrency Teens podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and visit the cryptocurrencyteens.com website to find extra resources and info. See you soon. Disclaimer, the views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of cryptocurrency teams and its staff. Second disclaimer is that this is not financial advice. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial advice. In general, the advice offered by our guests should be general advice about the cryptocurrency industry or the blockchain industry and not specific investment advice. 